0: Okay, let's go ahead and start. I'm going to, this is kind of a continuation. Tonight, we're going to continue on faith and confession. So this course is Faith Foundations, and we just spoke about faith and words. Faith is released by words, and this is going to be an extension of that, slightly different, faith and confession. We know that we confess sin. Anybody that's had a Catholic background, we're all familiar with those little booths they go into to confess their sin to the priest. Confession usually has a negative association for people, because when they think of the word confession, they only associate it with confessing sin. But the Bible has a lot to say about confession that does not have anything to do with sin. I mean, it has scriptures that talk about confess sin. It also has a lot of scriptures that talk about your confession, holding fast your confession, the confession of your faith, that you confessed in Jesus Christ to be saved. So there's a whole other area of confession that is not negative, but is actually very positive and very beneficial when you understand how powerful it is. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight is faith and confession, which is very similar to faith and words. We're going to also go ahead and look at, if you want to, you can turn to Romans 10.10, Mark 11.23 again. Romans 10.10 is the scripture that's well known for being a salvation scripture. And in Romans 10.10, it says, And with the mouth, confession is made unto. And there's something very key that I want you to see here in Romans 10.10. With the mouth, confession is made unto. So, in other words, when somebody gets saved, they confess into salvation. In other words, they confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and then he becomes their Lord. They confess into it. They don't have it, and then say it. They say it, and then they get it. So, they speak first, and then they receive. So, they say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And when they say that, there's a change that occurs when they believe in the heart and they say it with their mouth, where they're transformed in their spirit and they get a new spirit. And they go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's incredible what God does. We don't see it with our eyes, but God changes them when they get saved, so they make that transfer from darkness into light that the confession is made unto. It's something you move into, and the way you move into something is by speaking it. I'm going to go to the store, and then you go. I'm going to buy a new suit, and then you go buy a new suit. I'm going to discipline my children, and then you discipline your children. It's you're, you're speaking and you're moving into it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm confessing into this. You're moving into something. Now, it's important for you to see that, because it's going to help you to understand how important your words are and why confession is so important, especially in the area of healing. A lot of times people, they read what the Scripture says about healing, that it's God's you know, will for you to be healthy and whole. But if symptoms come to their body, then they think, well, they're not. But the key there is that you confess into it. You confess into healing. By his stripes, I was healed. That is a power. But the way you get it to be made manifest or real to you, where you partake of that, you receive of that, is by you confessing into it. So in other words, you've got to take ownership of that promise, that that promise is for you, and you confess into it. That's very important, because if somebody has pain, or they don't feel good, naturally, People have a tendency to side with what their physical body feels. But what God is requesting of us is to live by faith, which means believe his word over how you feel. Now, when you realize that we're really spirit beings, it becomes much easier to do that because your spirit is the real you and your spirit is what goes to heaven. This body doesn't go to heaven. This is a temporary earth suit. So when you realize that your spirit knows the truth, your spirit is lining up with the Word of God. Your spirit is lining up with truth. And you know that this is a temporary earth suit, you have authority over your flesh. You have authority over your body. You can tell your body what to do. This is something I've so learned about. Well, I had told you that it God healed me from chronic, chronic fatigue. I was never diagnosed by a doctor, but... I don't know how anybody could be that tired without having something as serious as that. But I used to say I was tired all the time because I was tired. I was so tired. But the more I said it, the worse it was. And so it's something that I've learned to be very careful about even now. Even if it's late at night, I'm really care- Sometimes even my son will come up and go, Mom, are you tired? And I'll I'll kind of check myself a little bit because I don't want to say that even if I am, because I know the cycle that led me to one time before. Now, I'm not saying why, but what I might do is I'll answer this way. It's time for me to go to bed. I need to lay down go to sleep. It's late. But you see how I'm avoiding that negative confession? Because sometimes I think we can get into these little habits of just saying things without really realizing what we're saying. Now, there's nothing wrong with being tired, but cure it you need a nap, take a nap. If you need to go to bed earlier, go to bed earlier. But to walk around day and night saying you're tired is is not very good. Do you see what I'm saying in that? Now, why is that important? Because we confess unto. So if you confess you're tired, you're just going to be making yourself more tired. So I'd rather change that and not speak that way. I'm strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. I say that a lot. I'm strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Anytime I feel that kind of that fatigue try to come back on me, I start speaking what the Word of God says. You are strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. And I speak that out. And I speak it out loud. I speak it out loud so that God hears me. I speak it out loud so that my flesh hears me. I speak it out loud so that the devil hears me. I speak it out loud so that my own ears hear me. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And what am I doing? Building my own faith up by speaking it and listening to it myself. I'm strengthening myself by doing that. You confess unto. In other words, you need to say it before you see it. So it's very important for you to see this in Romans 10.10. With the mouth, confession is made unto. And in this area, it's talking about salvation, but it doesn't just apply for salvation. With the mouth, confession is made unto a lot more than just salvation. With the mouth, confession is made unto healing with the mouth confession is made unto prosperity with the mouth confession is made unto life everything now mark 11:23 for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith i know we're going over this again but i want to go over this until it is in you There were some scriptures when I was in Bible school that I never memorized. I never had to. They were said to me so many times, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I never memorized those. Oh, there were just lots of scriptures I could go on and on that I never memorized. just that my teacher said them over and over and over until they just got in my spirit, and I knew them. See, part of this is I want you to know this. Not just in your head, but in your heart, that you've got this in your spirit so that when you're going about in your day and you need to draw on it, here comes the Holy Ghost bringing you in remembrance of what the Word of God says. And there it comes right when you need it, okay? And He'll correct you on something you just said. I can't get that work project done in time. And then you think, oh, wait a second, wait a second. I've got the Holy Ghost. Do I really want to say that? Because if I've got a time deadline, with God, all things are possible. So if I just start speaking right and I start lining up with that, then I can get that thing done. God will help me and you speak over that project, and that project will line up with your words. All things are possible. Sometimes you need to make adjustments, but a lot of times it's our our thinking and our speaking that is more of a block than actually the project. And as you begin to speak that God's going to help you get that project done in time, you'll be amazed at the clarity that comes, amazed at the ideas where he can show you how to do it. Notice in Mark chapter eleven twenty three, 23, it says say or "saith" three times. When God was teaching Brother Hagin, he was having a prayer time. He began uh, to see something in this. And what God started showing him is that he would have to do three times as much teaching on speaking as he did on believing. But if you look at that, the word believe is only in there one time. But saying is in there three times. Now, let's go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1. Now, we know in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, Have faith in God. If you study it out, it's have the God kind of faith. And the God kind of faith is the kind that speaks to something or calls something into being, just as Jesus spoke to the fig tree, and as God said, Let there be light. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, It says, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. I want you to notice something. The power to bring it about is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was already moving over the surface of the earth. But nothing happened until God spoke. And in verse 3, it says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. I also want you to notice this. Here's the God kind of faith. Do you realize that God spoke that into being and God didn't see it? God said, let there be light. And then there was light. And in verse 4, it says, and God saw that the light was good. You mean to tell me God didn't see it first? Yeah, apparently, because that's what the scripture says right here. God spoke it into being. The Holy Spirit was on the earth. But nothing happened until God spoke. Now listen, the Holy Spirit is on this earth right now, available. And even just as good as the Holy Spirit being on this earth, the Holy Spirit's on the inside of each one of you. But nothing's going to happen until you speak. And when you speak, you activate the power of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. Then God said, verse number 9. Then God said, verse number 11. Then God said, Verse number 14, then God said. Notice in verse 18, it says, and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So again, he sees what he's created. But he spoke it into being before he saw it. And then he sees it and looks back and goes, ooh, that's good. He spoke it. Verse 20, then God said. 24, then God said. 26, then God said. 29, then God said. Verse 31, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. In Genesis 126, we see that man was made in the image and likeness of God. And God said, let them rule. We were made in the image and in the likeness of God. It doesn't say we are God, but it says we are made in the image of God and the likeness of God. And then he put us in authority, or he put Adam and Eve at that time in authority. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand... Why don't you turn there? Go ahead and flip to Hebrews. I want you to see this. Hebrews 11.3. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. And this just, you know, again, it, it supports what we just saw in Genesis. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. What does God do? He calls into being that which does not exist. And you were made in his likeness and in his image. And it's not just based on that. What did Jesus do when he spoke to the disciples? When the disciples saw that he had spoken to that fig tree, and that fig tree withered from the roots up, and they commented on that, what did Jesus say? He, he gave them a model of what to do. He said, have the God kind of faith. Have, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. What was he doing? He was showing his disciples and now us that we have the power to speak things into being. We have the power to speak and to cast a mountain into the sea. And you can say, well, I've never cast a mountain into the sea. Well, okay, I haven't done that mountain into the sea, but I've, I've spoken to a tree before, and it died. Okay, so I know it works. I know you can do this. I know if you speak to things in faith, I know that you can call things into being, that there can be nothing, and you can speak to it, and you can call things into being. You can speak to things. You can speak to your finances. You can speak to your checkbook. You can speak to your bank account. And if you're you're meeting with some opposition, then you bind the works of the devil. You command him to take his hands off of your finances. Well, isn't God in charge of everything? Yeah, God is in charge of everything. And we're not really going into this right now. When Adam and Eve sinned, that authority that God gave to them to rule on this earth, they gave over to the devil by sinning. They lost their right to rule on this earth when they sinned. What happened from that is the devil then became the God, little g, of this world, because there are hurricanes, and there are floods, and there are famines, and there are wars, and there are evil things that go on, and God is not the one that causes those things. God does not cause destruction. He allows certain things, but God does not cause them. So the devil is at work on this earth. And so we need to learn then how to resist his works and how to pray effectively over areas like finances. Okay, Matthew 10, 37 says, everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. You don't have to turn there. Luke twelve eight. everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man, shall confess him also before the angels of God. What are we talking about here? Confession. How important is confession? Jesus was letting us know confession was very important. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. Confession. It's not a confession of sin. It's a confession of faith. It's a confession of identifying with him. And he says he'll confess to you before the angels of God. Now, 1 John 1, nine talks about the confession of sin. Why don't we turn there? 1 John 1, nine Talking about faith and confession. Even when you confess sin, it's important to believe that God hears you and that when he hears you, he forgives so that you can let go of that thing and move on. You can receive forgiveness from him. 1 John 1, nine. If this is not memorized, this is a good one just for your own benefit. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't have to go to somebody else. We can go to God, direct ourselves. And God forgives us. He is a good father, a loving father. And when we confess sin, he washes us clean and he remembers it no more. God will never be the one to remind you of sin. The devil might. You might think about it yourself. But God is not the one that brings it up and throws it back at you. That is not coming from God. Why? Because God forgives. And when he forgives, he remembers it's no no more. It's as far as the east is from the west. And the east and the west don't meet. But now let's look at about confessing our faith and cover this area. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So what are we doing there? Hebrews 10.23. Isn't that interesting? Hebrews 10.23. I'm going to say that again. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what are we doing? Confessing what we're hoping for. But we're to hold fast to that confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because he that promised is faithful. Meaning if you will hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering, he that promised you is faithful to bring it to pass. He is faithful if you'll hold fast to the confession of your hope. Hebrews four fourteen says, Let us hold fast our confession, profession. Hebrews three one. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Isn't that interesting? Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, the great confession, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, turn to John chapter 9, verse 22. So we see that he wants us to hold fast to that confession without wavering. John chapter 9, verse 22. There's a blind man, but he must have been a relatively young man, but he was still of legal age, and Jesus heals him. He was blind, and now he can see. Jesus heals him. But what was happening is that people were being put out of the synagogue if they were acknowledging Jesus Christ. So they were as Jews, they were cast out of their fellowship basically. In verse 22, this young man's parents respond because they're they're asked about this healing. And his parents said this. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him to be Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So, in other words, what the parents have said when they were when they were asked, you know, how did his eyes get open? What happened to his eyes? Instead of answering, the parents said, "He's of age. Ask him. He's of age. Ask him." Meaning he must have been of legal age, uh, by their their culture's definition. And so instead of the parents answering and being put out of the synagogue, they said, just you ask him. Why? Because they didn't want to confess Jesus. They didn't want to confess that faith. But was that confession important? It was important. And so the young man went ahead and confessed Jesus, and as a result, he was put out of the synagogue. But that confession was important. Look at John chapter 12. Again, we're just looking at confession, how much the Bible talks about confession, whether it's confessing for our salvation or it's confessing for something else. John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many, even the rulers, believed in him. Okay, now I want you to see something. They believed, but they refused to confess. That's important. So they had the faith, but they weren't willing to say it. They believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. They believed, but they wouldn't confess him. Confession does not stop at salvation. In Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, we see that we're told to speak to the mountain, and we'll have whatever we say. I know that this is a very simple illustration, uh, and I've used this a couple times before but there are times where I lost my keys. So I was thinking, well, where are my keys? I can't find my keys. I can't find my keys. And then it just was quickened to me to change what I was saying instead of saying, I can't find my keys, to say, I found my keys. I know where my keys are. And sure enough, then they would turn up. But we're so programmed to speak in a negative way because of the society we're influenced by that we don't realize that's not God's way of speaking at all. God doesn't speak negative. God speaks positive. The Word of God is positive. It's full of life. It's full of truth. It's full of encouragement. It's not full of negative speaking. And so we're to speak the desired result, not the problem, or not the negative result. I can't find my keys. Now, the same goes for, this was several years ago, we had rented a movie from the library. Well, to check out, really. Anyway, so we check out, checked out a video from the library. It was a kid's video. And we checked out a whole bunch of other things also. Then it came time to return everything. I found the actual video, but at the time, I could not find the video cover. I had the due date. So I went into the library, and I returned what I had. I returned the video. I didn't have the cover. And so I told him I didn't have the cover. I'm thinking it's not going to be a big deal. And he wanted to charge me $10. I'm thinking, well, $10, I could just go buy you a new video. I mean, the $10 for the cover when I'm giving you the video. But I understood I was in the wrong, and I didn't have it. And, you know, people want to see the picture so that they can rent it. It, it, Everybody wants to see the picture, not just some black piece of plastic. So he said, I'll give you till tomorrow. And I thought, okay, this may be a silly thing, but I really did not want to pay $10 for that little cover. So I went home, and I said, Chad, we need to find this. We need to find this. We search, we search, we search, and at first he starts saying, I can't find it. I can't find it. I'm like, I can't find it either. And then we realized what we were saying and we checked ourselves and I started confessing, I can find the cover. I know where the cover is. I have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me and He knows everything. He knows where it is. And since He's on the inside of me, He enlightens it to my understanding. Therefore, I now know where that cover is. And I just confessing that. And then something interesting happened. Chad started wrestling me to the ground. Now this is a little while later, a couple hours later. It wasn't immediate. A couple hours later we're playing and we end up in my bedroom and, and I'm I'm doing something and he comes and he he jumps on me and he wrestles me to the ground. And while I'm down on the ground out of the corner of my eye, underneath my bed, I get a glimpse of something that looks like the shape of that video cover. And I start praising the Lord. Praise the Lord! Because I reach under there and pull it out, and sure enough, there was a video cover. I had searched the whole house. I don't know how it got under there. You know, I don't know how we didn't see that. You know, because, you know, sometimes when the dust ruffle comes down or there's something else and you just don't see. Anyway, I mean, you know, I mean, God was at work in my day of even having him tackle me to the ground at that point, which is not something that happens all the time. But God was at work. He led me straight to it. Why? And I'm telling you, I'm convinced that a lot of it had to do because of what I said. So God was going to orchestrate the day so that the word came to pass. Why? Because you get what you say. You get what you say. So you want to start saying the desired result in some things. I'm going to tell you this, too. But there was one point where I started thinking to myself, God started working with me to start confessing more, to start saying more things of what I want to come to pass. You can get real busy in life, taking care of your kids, working your job, doing the dishes, doing the laundry, doing the grocery shopping, cutting the lawn, pulling the weeds, trying to see friends once in a while, trying to have a little bit of time off. And then and you've got to make sure your Bible reading's in there first. You know, I mean we're busy people. We're busy people. But God started working with me about confession. You start confessing more. Start confessing more. I started thinking, okay. But I start really working on that. And He started working with me like it's 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 a job. It, this is a job. I thought, a job. Like how oh, it's just talking a job. I mean, you know. And as I started to do it and get diligent with confessing, in other words, writing out a confession sheet of the things that I want to come to pass, and diligently speaking them out. I started realizing it was actually work. It took time. It took time to do that. I kind of went back to God, and I said, well, it's kind of is time consuming. I mean, especially if you're staying with something, and you're, you know, you're going to do it day after day after day. And you know what he ministered to my heart? This is what he showed me. He said, yeah, it, it's work. And then I got this revelation in my heart. He said, and on the seventh day, I rested. What did I rest from? And I realized he rested from speaking. The Holy Spirit was creating, right? The Holy Spirit was on the earth creating. What was God doing? Speaking. And then he started showing me, yeah, take a day off, but the rest of them, you work, and confession is part of it. And I was like, oh, okay. If God had to rest from speaking, then speaking is work. Confession is work. Because for some reason, Some of us have been on this earth longer than others, unsaved or untaught, uneducated in some of these Christian principles or Bible principles. Even if we were in a church, not all churches really study the Word of God. Our minds have been influenced by the world, and we've got to retrain our mind. And in retraining our mind, we've got to retrain our mouth, make ourselves realize that speaking is work. And speaking is important, and speaking is productive, and speaking counts, and speaking will bring results. But what happens is, it just seems to be very easy that if we're not diligent with guarding what we say, we slip into the negative. You notice that? Or is it just me? Slipping into the negative and saying the what isn't, or what can't, or what hasn't, and so we've got to retrain ourselves. And be diligent. It's like, I'm not going to go into that negative uh, line of speaking. I'm going to stay positive. But that's where it's work. Because you're putting your flesh under, you're putting circumstances under, what you see, the bank account, the jobs, the whatever, and you're going to speak to it. But you've got to speak to it until you get the desired results, and you want to speak out the desired results. Now, we're going to show you one other thing, and then we'll close. Uh, I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 13. This will be the last set of scriptures we look at. They'll all be in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. This is a story about Joshua and Caleb. So the children of Israel had been slaves. They were freed from slavery by God performing mighty signs and wonders, uh, dealing with the Egyptians with the frog and the locust and water turning into blood and the firstborn sons dying, and it took a lot to get the attention of the Egyptians to let them go. Now, these Israelites had been slaves for 400 years. That's important to note, because 400 years is a long time. So they had been slaves for a long time. Their thinking had been kind of beat down. Beat down. Slaves. Treated like slaves. Yet, God does all these incredible signs and wonders to bring them out of Egypt, and to set them free and give them their own land, what he called the promised land, the land full of milk and honey. Moses is told to pick 12 men that will go out as spies to go into the promised land. But God tells them that the land that he's sending them to, he has given to them. Let's see if we can find that. Okay, well, okay, that he's going to give it to them. All right, chapter 13, verse 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourselves men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. There it is. I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to give it to the sons of Israel. So God says he's going to give it. Now they go out, and they find fabulous things in this land. They find just huge grapes that were so big that they had to be carried on a pole between two men. Just everything was enormous. It was a land just full of blessings. But ten of the spies come back and only give a report primarily about the negative. And the negative was that there were some giants in the land. Now, mind you, God had just delivered them from slavery. They took gold and silver with them. They plundered the Egyptians when they left. God parted the Red Sea. They passed through as though on dry land. And then God closed the Red Sea on top of the Egyptians and the chariots so that there wouldn't be a war. God did incredible things for them. And they're out, headed towards their promised land, and God says he's going to give it to them. And 12 spies go out to check out this land, and it's filled with fabulous things. And God says it's a land of milk and honey. And they can already see the evidence of it just with these grapes. Ten come back with a bad report, and two come back with a good report. And in chapter 13, verse 30, Caleb and Joshua came back with a good report. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are too strong for us. Verse 32, and I want you to notice what, what it says here. So they gave out to the sons of Israel. Now, New American Standard says a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying the land, and it goes on to talk about it. But it, the negative report, it, it's called a bad report here. And in the King James, it's called an evil report. So what I want you to see from this, two things. One, It's negative. A report of unbelief is called evil. Unbelief is called evil. It's important for us to understand how God values faith and how God sees doubt and unbelief. And here it is called an evil report or a bad report. Uh, Numbers 14.37 says a very bad report. Numbers 14.2, let's turn there and I want you to see what happens. 14.2, and all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. That's bad. And the whole congregation said to them, and now check this out. This is the second point I want you to see. Notice, the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Bad mistake. Because they're showing no gratitude to God having delivered them from slavery. No gratitude to the miracles and the signs and the wonders that God did to set them free, to help them so that they didn't even have to fight the Egyptians, so that God just closed the water in on them and delivered them and got them across into a land where they could be safe. There's, there's no gratitude. What they're doing now is they're grumbling, and not one or two. The whole congregation grumbles and says they would have rather died in the land of Egypt. Lots of people, Yeah. Okay, so let's keep looking. Now, Numbers 14, verses 6 to 9. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Japunia, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They're, they're realizing this is bad. What you guys are doing is bad. We don't want to have anything to do with it. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Now, Numbers 14:28. So that's what they, he's saying. Now, Numbers 14:28. Oh, no. First go to 24. Some of them give a bad report. Verse 24, But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. Moses has to go and start doing intercession in verse 20 if you skip back up a little bit. Moses has to do intercession for them because of their grumbling and their murmuring. Actually, at one point I think God says he, you know, God is this, I will Oh, yeah, look look up look above. Verse 11, chapter 14 verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, "How long will this people spurn me, and how long will they not believe in me, despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst?" Now, now listen. Now, in in the Old Testament, when it says that I will do something, it's I will allow it. it. Just in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, the tense is a little different when you bring it into English, and so it seems like God is causing something to happen, but it's really God allows it to happen. So God says, "I will smite them with pestilence." What is that? Sickness. I will dispossess them, and He says to Moses. I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they. Moses had a wonderful opportunity there. But being the humble man that he was, basically says to the Lord, but Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear of it, for by thy strength thou did bring this people up from their midst. So basically he's saying, God, these are your people. You don't want it to be heard that you you left your people. You dumped your people. And he starts going into intercession for them. And praying for them because of the way they've acted. And God was mad. And he stands in the gap for them. So verse 20, verse 19, Moses prays for them. Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of thy loving kindness. Just as thou also hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. In other words, you kept forgiving them, God. You kept forgiving them. You kept working with them. Forgive them now. So the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word. So God took mercy on them. And then in verse 24, he talks about Caleb has had a different spirit and has followed him fully. Therefore, he's going to get the blessing of being able to go into that land. And we're going to make just this final point. I want you to go to verse 27. So chapter 14, verse 27. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel which they are making against me. Verse 28. Say to them... As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. And then he goes on to say that they won't, they won't make it. The ones that grumbled against God, meaning the entire congregation, will not be able to enter that promised land. But he, God would wait for a new generation. Why? Because of their unbelief. He called it an evil report. And because of their grumbling. Except for the two that had the faith report. That brought the good report. Except for Joshua and Caleb as old men had to wait it out, but they lived, and God made sure they lived, and then those two got to go into the promised land. What I want you to see from that is those that had grumbled and murmured and said they rather would have died in Egypt, God said, in my hearing, what you spoke to me, you'll get, you said it, you spoke it, you get it, and he allowed it to happen. So we've looked that faith is released by words, but, you know, what else is released by words? Unbelief and doubt and negative things are released by words. So what we want to do is speak words that are faith-filled. Speak words that speak positive, that line up with Scripture. Faith-filled words. Faith is released by words. And faith and confession are are linked because... We've got to confess to get that faith out and that faith release. But we want to make sure that we're confessing positive things and that we're lining up with Scripture and lining up with the promises of God and not rebelling against the Word, but lining up with what the Word says. So there are lots of different kinds of ways to confess. We can confess sin. We can confess into salvation. But we also confess unto the promises of God. We confess unto lining up with Scripture And we want to keep our mouth lined up with the word of God so that we're receiving the promises and the blessings that are in the word of God for us. Amen.